0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by BentoBox, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their own website. During these uncertain times in the industry, Bento Box is supporting restaurants through online ordering and gift cards. Opening soon listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T. B-E-N-T-O dot slash opening soon.
2: The worst week of my life. No good options. We need help. And hashtag too small to fail. These are some of the rallying cries we've heard from chefs and restaurateurs across the nation this past week. We've optimistically dubbed this season as reopening soon. Talking to chefs and restaurateurs impacted by the coronavirus crisis. We hope to get some advice, share some of the pain, and find hope for the future.
1: In the past week, business owners were left with two losing prospects close and lay everyone off, or pivot to takeout and delivery, risking your health and that of your team. Since then, 7 million people working in hospitality have found themselves newly unemployed. One bright spot is coming together of the industry. Each city has activated groups so that their collective voices may be heard louder. And nonprofits such as the Lee Initiative are providing aid to those in need. So our first guest today is Nate Adler, the founder of Gertie Williamsburg, Brooklyn, the delicious all-day cafe, um, beloved by the whole neighborhood. And Nate has also been faced with those two tough options, and I'll let him speak to what's happening now. So welcome back to the show. Nate was on previously, episode 13, and is a good friend, and we're just happy to hear your voice. So tell us what's going on right now.
3: Yeah, we're... Um... Happy to be back on, uh, not the best of circumstances, of course, but um, happy to tell the story that we, um, of what we've been going through over the last month plus now. Um, and I think the the interesting thing about this crisis is that um, it changes moment to moment. Um, and... Every time we've had to make a decision, um, we're reacting to the latest news. Um, we're reacting to the latest thought process, You know, between myself and my business partner, Flip, and our families and our friends and what is right and what is wrong. And my, um, my high school education at um, the Ethical Culture School has really <laughs> come in handy. Uh, way more than I ever thought. Um, I think ethics is something that's on our mind on a daily basis right now. Um, should we be putting ourselves in harm's way to help other people? Is a restaurant a big enough part of a community uh, to be to be open? Do we believe whether or not the government says so? Do we believe that we are an essential institution? Um, and those questions start to pile up and pile up as we move forward into this crisis. And you know we've been operating sort of to the very last day um, of the government uh, mandates, um, whether it was businesses needing to close their doors, their dining rooms, or being 50% Um, capacity, which is the first one, then closing the dining rooms, being allowed to be open for takeout and delivery. Um, And I think it got to a point last week, because we did that, um, where we were sort of like hanging on for dear life and saying, um, you know, is this really all worth it? Um, And so we uh, were already looking for ways, um, as Jenny knows, because we had We discussed it to get involved in the community because I think right now it's the only win-win that exists for restaurants is to get funding, whether that's um, raising it themselves or finding a grant um, to utilize the space and utilize the ingredients and utilize the equipment and staff in a way that is for the greater good of the population sort of opening ourselves up to be a soup kitchen of sorts Um, and we had been thinking about this already we actually um, launched an initiative um, a week ago that we started a GoFundMe to to, um, serve hospital workers meals um, at the Woodhull Hospital in in Bed-Stuy and that was really successful because we were able to raise you know around four thousand dollars which allows us to employ a couple people for a few days to make food for the hospital, Um, and it it really is a win-win. We have to take incredible safety precautions, obviously, when we're delivering the food, and we are putting ourselves in harm's way, and we've made that decision to do so. Um, But we feel as though that is the best way that we can be utilizing um, our time, our power, and our ability to to influence change during a really difficult time.
2: Nate, have you been able to um, keep all of your staff by doing this, or are you, are you still very limited in, in how many people you have? Because I think when um, I came in to pick up, uh, I think, our last meal in Brooklyn before we um, Escape to a more isolated uh, place to, to wait this thing out and work. Um, came and picked up our last meal in Brooklyn from you guys. And I apologize if when we saw you, I was a little bit out of sorts, but it was a bit emotional as it was Jenny and I's anniversary. And oh no, um, the idea of like picking up a to go meal, even though it was amazing, thank you. Um, and uh, under such weird circumstances with our kids all prepared to basically evacuate the city was. Was a little more than, than I could handle at the moment, but <laughs> there was only a couple of you guys working. Were you, um, were you able to hold on to, to people by doing the, the, the shifts? So
3: we, for for the takeout and delivery shifts, the only people we were able to retain were our executive chef and sous chef, which you know is more than many others. Um, and then you know, flipping myself who were not taking a salary to be there, um, but to, to really be a, like a sweet spot.
1: Um, like a we lost you face. on the audio, Nate. Oh,
3: sorry. A friendly face um, in the community. Uh, and so no, the, the, the business we were doing, takeout and delivery, was not robust enough to hire back um, any of our line employees. Um, that being said, pivoting to the Lee Initiative and what we're doing there, we, we got a grant um, that is allowing us to feed hospitality workers uh, in the greater community, Brooklyn, New York community. Um, and that is enough money. that and enough work that we will be able to hire back some people um, to do that. So we're hiring back, I think four back of house and four front of house.
2: That's awesome. Jen, you wanna tell us a little bit more about the Lee Initiative as as background?
1: Yeah, so I mean, they've been on the show before and typically what the Lee Initiative does is mentor people, um, women specifically, six mentees per class. and gives them leadership training and teaches them about running their own business and all sorts of awesome things. And they, during this crisis and partnership with, um, I'm going to wait for the, yeah, I was just going to wait for the siren to pass. Okay, sorry. So they, in partnership with Makers Mark, have um, are are activating one or two restaurants per city um, to feed hospitality workers out of work. So Nate and Gertie are one of them. So tell us, tell us where you are in the process of getting up and running with the Leah Initiative, Nate, and, and what you guys are planning to do.
3: Yeah. So we uh, got the word on Friday that this was going to be uh, potentially a. a- Um, a reality for us and so we started right away sort of mobilizing our troops um, talking to our staff about where they've been whether they've been exposed because obviously there's a really delicate balance here between uh, looking out for public safety and health and also giving people back their jobs so Unfortunately, the answer can't be we're just going to hire everyone back, but we want to know exactly what they've been doing. Have they been quarantining? Um, Do they know anyone that's been exposed and have they been exposed to them? Um, And we have, you know, we've made direct orders to the four people that were working in the restaurant last week um, that the only two places they could be are home and the restaurant. And that's going to be the same thing moving forward for anybody that wants to sign back on. Um, so that was the first step was sort of a vetting process there. Um, we've identified those people, we've got them sort of rearing and ready to go for, uh, for tomorrow to start prepping. And then we're launching on Thursday.
1: Wow. And so, and the grant covers both the cost of the staff and you are as food being donated. How is that? How does that work? So it
3: it covers the cost of the, of the staff and supplies. Um, We're both giving out prepared meals, but also um, supplies like paper goods and like, you know, dry, uh, dry goods and things that they could cook at home coffee, um, paper towels, like anything of that sort. So if you come and pick up, you'll be able to get a meal, but also take home a little bit of, uh, of, of other necessities. Um, and a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last three days has been talking to our friends in the industry and purveyors and see what they're willing to, um, to donate to us because obviously the more that gets donated, the longer we can run the, uh, the initiative for.
1: So basically you guys run the initiative until either supplies or funding runs out.
2: Yeah, correct. And how are, how's, how's the word getting out to these hospitality workers that are on the ground? and and yeah, I mean,
3: we're a lot of it is social media, but then, uh, we've asked, like anybody that we know in the industry to pass it on to their listservs. I have a good friend, um, who's sort of like in the coronavirus task force at Union Square Hospitality. So she sent the information out to all of their employees. Um, and I think just slowly, but surely getting the word out through media as well, um, through, through press, I think is going to be very important. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it through word of of mouth as well.
1: And how many people are you expecting to, like, feed a day or come through the doors every day?
3: So we don't exactly know how many people are going to come, but we are planning for 250 meals a day. Wow. Um, And we are going to be doing it four days a week. Um, and Olmstead is also going to be doing it. I don't know how many days a week they're going to be doing it, but we're trying to cover the whole week essentially
1: between the two locations.
3: Um, Yeah. But it's just like a lot is up in the air because of the funding. Right. So we're sort of like, we'll take it a week at a time. Um, we plan to, to move forward with it for as long as we possibly can.
1: Amazing. And are you guys still going to be doing your, like, takeout and delivery program or trying to serve meals to the hospitals as well in the interim, or are you just focusing on this? We
3: we still have a lot of money left um, to feed hospital workers right now. So we're going to be doing, like, two or three more drops uh, to them. And we plan to be open to the public on Saturdays um, just for pickup. Um, I don't feel comfortable anymore, um, sort of supporting the the delivery infrastructure in New York city. Uh, I don't feel like they're taking it seriously enough. Um,
2: the delivery drivers themselves.
1: yeah, Yeah. Tell us more about that.
3: Um, I think that, um, specifically, and I'm happy to be outspoken about it, that Caviar has done a really bad job. Um, with their, um, both their sort of, um, what's the word, uh, their priorities in this whole thing. Um, but also in their, uh, safety, uh, requirements for their, their drivers, um, over the course of the last week, like their drivers just didn't seem to understand that we were in a public health crisis um and the idea of taking the same commissions from local mom and pop restaurants that are only doing this to survive i think is incredibly like um selfish selfish <laughs> yeah yeah incredibly selfish and like I'll throw it out there for you yeah if you even if you look You know instagram obviously is like a huge wealth of information right now it's like their sponsored advertisements don't even talk about coronavirus at all it's like we have healthy options for takeout and delivery you know and it's like happy people like manicured around a table in a professional photo shoot and it's like what are you saying about like the safety standards that you're putting in place and why are you giving zero delivery fees to the, to the customer when the restaurant is really what needs the relief right now. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So even like in this public health crisis, like our commission didn't go down at all. And it was, I think it's like 23% of sales. So, like talk about just eroding any ability to onboard, like re onboard, uh, bring back in our employees to the mix. Um, it makes it impossible. So.
1: And what about the state in the in They weren't like training their staff on how to be more careful and safe with their, when they were delivering their drivers it seemed that way. In fact, on Saturday,
3: I like actually yelled at a couple of the drivers and I was like, you guys aren't taking me seriously. Like where your gloves? Where your masks? like, why are you come? Why are you trying to come into the restaurant? We've like completely sealed the restaurant from outside people. Um, you need to stay six feet apart. And one of them started laughing at me, and I was like, "What are you laughing about? Like, do you not understand the seriousness of the situation?" Um, and I really, it's not just like there. It's not their fault necessarily, right? It's it's the company that they've been hired by. Um, and we're putting all of those people in harm's way without them knowing it necessarily and you know to them it's it's making a paycheck versus not having a job right so of course you're going to probably take the paycheck in that situation
2: I'll say it's hard too because I think I feel like you know in better times or especially in these times the accountability always ends up falling on the restaurant not on the the middleman essentially the the driver or, or whatnot um which is tough and, and then and then there are challenges i think that, you know the broader challenges that you know day-to-day you know the media the government like there are mixed messages out there it's hard to know what you know we've got medical professionals telling us that we shouldn't be um back together within proximity for five to six weeks and we've got you know, the leader of our country telling us to go yeah. back to work on Monday. So it's, it's uh, there's definitely some mixed messaging. Um, and it's, it depends totally. on who people are listening to in this. Absolutely. In the, the new age of how yeah, we. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, it, you know? that it's
3: easy, right? Like, I just think that just like in any other crisis in the history of, at least since I've been alive, like it's up to private institutions, a lot of the time to like help push us across the edge. And, right. it, you can't expect that government is always going to make the right decision. Um,
2: right, it goes back know, to what how we started our conversation with the ethics and, and and your responsibility, and that's really all you can do at the moment is, you know, hold on to... Yeah, to I mean, what I, had a, are. And,
3: I had a debate with my fiancé who's quarantining in Connecticut um, for the duration because she feels really uncomfortable being here, and... I was like, am I doing the right thing by even offering these meals because we're bringing people out of their homes to pick them up? And am I, is it more important to provide free food or is it more important to have everybody stay at home for five or six weeks and get this over with and, and be done with it and go back to normalcy? And I think that there's just like, it's not, there's no easy answer there and like her stance was you're doing the right thing and like you have to take it day to day you can't allow yourself to be consumed with things that you can't control um and the world that you're controlling is really doing you know doing a service to the community so you know
1: it, it is a tough was, call was power on you know yeah. I mean, I think that it is a tough call, but ultimately people also do have to eat and grocery store shelves are going bare. And I think as long as you're doing things in a calculated way, that is limiting risk and exposure to your team and to the people who do come out, then you are doing a service. I mean, I think again, it's, it's like calculated risk. And so in that, you know, in that sense of how are you guys, like, what have you done to prepare your team and to prepare, to like hand out these meals to potentially 250 people a day to, to limit their risk in exposure.
3: Right, so the first thing, as I said before, was just vetting them and, you know, before even saying we had a job for them, we talked to every individual and said, "How are you, you know, how are you doing? What have you, what have you been doing the last week and are you okay and, you know, what has been your protocol and whatnot and then like after sort of vetting that, um, offering them the job to come back, right, so that was the first step. Um, we have been the four of us have been like hermetically sealed in here for 10 days so
2: we don't really (laughs) want to do you have any employees that that you that gave you answers that you weren't comfortable with well one of them had a vacation plan to Scotland
3: and actually went on it so he got back from the UK two days ago and he was like I'm self-quarantining so I'm not going to be able to do it Um, but otherwise no it's been people have seemingly been pretty responsible um, the other thing is that we're setting up like a barrier uh, a barrier between the, the the people picking up the food and ourselves of six feet um, and just sort of laying the bags out on tables um, so that we're not coming into contact with them um, and we are also going to be putting, uh, tape or chalk or cones on the ground of some sort, all the way down Grand, uh, Grand Street, to ensure that people waiting in line are going to be six feet apart as well. Um, wow. We're, uh, we're also going to be obviously like washing our hands and sanitizing. Um, we are going to be doing it a deep um, a deep sanitization of the restaurant. We're actually, uh, calling in a a deep cleaning company to come do that before we start. Um, and I think, you know, that's above and beyond, like it's not cheap. It's going to be even at like a 75% discount, it's going to be a thousand dollars to get somebody in here to do like a hospital style sanitization of the space. Um, but it's going to make us feel a lot more comfortable. So um, I think it's worth it
1: for sure. Um, well, you are doing, you know, something amazing for the community and it sounds like you have really thought through, you know, everything and put into place a ton of necessary precautions and, um, you know, day by day and, you know, we're here for you and we really appreciate you sharing everything with us and keep up, keep up the good work. Awesome, bud. All right, we'll shout all it right. out. So Thursday's the day people can start picking up meals. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. All right. We'll be sure to share it out as well. And, you know, thank you for all that you do. So welcome back. Um, we are now going to chat with Greg Backstrom and Mac. And Max Katzenberg from Olmsted and Mason Yaki. Uh, Max and Greg have also pivoted to assist with the Lee Initiative, and they are also helping um, make some noise with their New York Hospitality Coalition. So thank you both for being here during this time. Thanks for,
4: Thanks for much. having us. A- yeah, thank you.
1: Um, so tell us a little bit about um you know, I first saw you posting, I think Greg about this New York hospitality coalition, so tell us about that initiative
5: Well, I mean, uh honestly, you know last week, like many of us, we were forced to lay off our entire staff, so that was sixty plus people, some of which you know helped us open the restaurant um and now you know, Max and I, like everyone else, we're trying to navigate through this disaster. Uh, and so we, you know, we thought that it was, uh, beneficial for all of us. If we tried to have one voice and to make sure that, uh, you know, the little guys don't get overlooked during this, you know, Max and I, with as terrible as all of this is, is you know, we're, we're hopeful that we'll reopen, uh, uh the coalition is more about you know the Indian restaurant next to Olmstead uh you know how are they gonna navigate through this? Do they know how to uh you know look at their policies their their insurance policies see if they're covered under uh virus protection you know all all this kind of uh minutiae, yeah
1: yeah I mean that's that's a good point. Um, so how are you like how have you gotten in touch with those restaurants and have like helped to support and share their voice?
4: Well, we started the coalition a week ago uh, Thursday, and we were really focused on the sales tax issue. Uh, it was something that was immediate and urgent. It was happening in twenty four hours where the state was basically putting operators in the position of paying their tax or paying their employees. And what we really didn't want to have happen is have all the lists of this week, whereas the week before they were like, who's going on temporary closure? Who's going takeout delivery? We didn't want it to be, uh, you know, who's bouncing payroll checks? That's where we we saw it possibly going. So uh, we started the coalition. We had a ground swelling of support. We had a really focused message of uh, postponed sales tax, uh, penalty and interest, allow operators to, to pay later. And the governor the next day did that. Uh, and since then it's really just been a snowball of operators coming to us, workforce coming to us saying, uh, you know, how can we help let's come together. And now we're really going to be looking to create a resource, you know, create a service for our operators, for our workforce to weather this storm. Uh, and come through the other side as as close to whole as possible.
5: Is that a goat in the background?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's my dog. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> that, uh, I'm outside. sorry, she sounds like Chewbacca. <laughs> there in the snow. There'll be a um, lot, yeah, you might hear kids, dogs, it's like we podcasting from home is a whole fucking new world. Um, anyways, yeah. so. One of the I'm
5: things, sure my guys. Dog, my dog will start barking soon, I'm
2: sure. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I, I find interesting is that, Um, that there's never really been anything like this, these organizations to bring us together uh, created before. It's like, yeah, you know, that's that's exactly what we
4: got. That's where exactly, you know, for us uh, operators in New York, you know, it's more of an alliance in that, you know, everybody more or less gets along. You know, we're pretty much out for ourselves. We, we, we are, you know work well together when it's convenient for us, but we're all working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, there's just not a lot of time uh, to, to really get together and organize. There's never time. Um, so, so we're looking at this as an opportunity to, to really create a community of operators so that once we're through this, you know, for the very first time, we'll have a platform to come together, to communicate, to share ideas, uh, find a consensus, a true operator consensus on the mandates that are always coming through the pipe that are always really, really hurting businesses. It seems almost every single time, and and, and also have a voice to, uh, you know, to make ourselves heard in that in that regard.
2: Yeah, I think it's really important what you guys have done, and you know, as you see, you know, you, everybody knows that hospitality is is big and employs a lot of people, and then. It's not really until you see the stats and the numbers come through just how giant the industry is and how much power the industry could have given it's organized. Yeah, Um, I think one
4: of the big differences is it's an enormous amount of jobs. It's an enormous percentage of the GDP, Uh, but these are low margin businesses. You know, we do not have... Lobbying budgets, whereas the airlines, it's a much smaller uh, sector. The cruises, it's a much so smaller sector, but it's big business. It's high margins. It's giant CEOs. It's millions of dollars of uh, profit per business, and and you know they're organized in a way that we're not, and it's just so heartwarming to see all of these incredible nationally known operators coming together and leveraging every relationship that they have to make a difference in these stimulus package packages. And, and you know, we want to do a very similar thing uh, with this coalition. You know, uh, every person needs to be leveraging everything that they have. If it's not financial, if it's relationships, if it's not relationships, it's a voice. Uh, and if we can do that, then we, you know, we have a fantastic chance to get this industry back to the vibrancy that made New York city, what it is, it's going to take time, but you know, we, we, we know we have the people. So, so now we need to demand the support.
2: Right. Take us, take us a little bit back to what you're on the ground doing now. Sales tax has, um, been delayed, right? That is a a success. What's. What's been happened since then? What's next on the list?
4: Well, the whole thing has just been happening so fast. Uh, sales tax happening in that way was remarkable, remarkable. Uh, you know, it was not us that did that alone. It was many, many, many people uh, coming to the mat and and making ourselves heard. But the, really, the governor, he was a no on Thursday, and then he was a yes uh, Friday afternoon. It was, it was remarkable. Uh, you know, we we're taking a little bit of time just to really get some infrastructure in place and there are some really really urgent initiatives that that we need to be taking very starting immediately uh, for us our workforce is in uh extremely urgent need of of relief uh, uh 250,000 people are going on to unemployment from the hospitality industry in new york city alone almost a million people 860 plus thousand in the state and the maximum benefit in new york state it's $504 a week. That's sub minimum wage it, on 40 hours. It comes to $12 and 60 cents. That's way less than the minimum wage in New York city. It's just not, uh, it's not sustainable. It's not possible that people are going to be able to make ends meet on that. And our point is this is not unemployment. You know, this is a stay at home order.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Our, our industry shuttered protect the city. A, exactly. Our industry shuttered to protect the city. Right. And, uh, and we can't just be treated, unemployment is the mechanism to get people cash the fastest way, right? It's our municipalities' system to deliver cash. But this is not unemployment. It's not an unemployment benefit times. Uh, you know, the state has to come to the table major and, and that's really what we're gonna be focusing going wide with next. Uh, other things such as business interruption insurance, such as, uh, you know, what's happening uh, with rents With payroll taxes, with the continuation of sales taxes, Uh, you know, the stimulus will come from the federal government likely and the relief needs to come from the state.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. We had Brittany Anderson from um, Richmond, Virginia on the show last week, and she was like, it's not unemployment. It's a social distancing wage. And that's how we should be looking at it. And, you know, I think that's a yeah. really, like, really great way to frame the conversation. Um, so what, so what is next in terms of the state? Because I will tell you, you know, we are, it's not just hospitality that's impacted. Also, it's the entire ecosystem that supports hospitality.
6: Yeah, that's
5: like the argument that is not being brought up in any of this. Right. Like, we laid off 60 people, right? So that's not just terrible for Max and I and those 60 people. Like there's a dry cleaner across the street. There's a laundry mat across the street. There's a place where everyone gets their nails done and a massage next door to that. There's the organic juice place. Like those are 60 people that are not patroning those places. Half of those places are closed because of social distancing and, and you know, COVID. And uh, other ones are are uh, you know they're all at home so like how are those those businesses are are struggling they're not uh, you know you, you we switched to delivery only uh, uh, we still have to lay off 80 90% of our staff you know
1: right it's
2: terrible right not to mention the farmers and the paper suppliers and the
1: yeah people that yeah pick
2: up your trash yeah. every day like th- it's just everyone is affected by it's, it. it it's yeah. yeah it's not just
5: farmers and it's not just our purveyors it's it's everyone
1: yeah so i mean and so that is it's so how do we collectively you know tell this story and and what is the like the next thing that you guys are going after um you know is it like we want
4: to pick We want to pick really specific achievable things. So we have ears in the governor's office, in the mayor's office, you know, we have contacts, we know what's on the table, what's not on the table. And the most urgent thing for us now is our people is the workforce. So the the huge thing we're going to be going after starting very soon is this unemployment benefit getting doubled.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is a, a huge thing. Cause again, it's also putting actual money into people's pockets where they can put that back into their local economy as much as they can while they're staying from home and actually, you know, supporting themselves. Um, so I think that, that actually, that makes a ton of sense. And is that for like, is, is that specifically going to be for people who have been terminated because businesses were, were shuttered or is it like in general, tell me like the specifics of that initiative.
4: I mean for us for the duration of the state of emergency the unemployment benefit needs to be doubled. I mean the, uh, this is an all sector issue the same that the sales tax was. I mean for us it was extremely urgent because of the cash flow of our businesses but it wasn't just a p- sales tax postponement for hospitality businesses it was for all businesses and the, uh, that's the same angle that we'll be taking. You know we'll be taking our megaphone and and be trumpeting it through the through the hospitality uh, you know lens that you know that's that's our base, but I don't think it's I don't think it can be uh, a specific hospitality unemployment benefit thing. Uh, this is a statewide city you know nationwide worldwide pandemic crisis and it has to be treated as such just putting people yeah. on a minimum wage five hundred four dollars a week it's pre-tax that money so everyone gets right, a $504, right. everyone gets a five hundred four dollar check everybody' like okay, I'm cool, I got 500 bucks. Uh, you know, in January, they're all going to get 1099s from the city and have a huge tax bill. It really comes more to like 250 or $260 that you're actually getting post-tax. Uh, it's, 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 it's not enough. It's just not even close to enough. You know, these people, before they can even have the uh, mental capacity to go back out and spend money in the industry, you know, in the, in, in the economy, they have to know that they can pay the rent, they have to know that they can feed their families, they have to know that they can pay their credit card bills, pay their student loans. I mean, none of that stuff is
2: being suspended, mm-hmm. none of it. Right, I mean, the idea too with unemployment it, it is that unemployment benefits are given to people with the assumption that they're going out and able to find another job. Exactly. And that's just not even possible right now. So you're, you're asking people to stay home, not work, not look for a job, and then not giving them enough to be able to do that.
4: Yeah, to me, it always felt like that number was so low as kind of an incentive not to stay on it, right? It was like, okay, <laughs> right. you could get away with this for like two weeks, maybe three weeks, but like you have to work. You can't, You nobody can just live in New York City. I mean, this is such an astronomically expensive place. Uh, $300 a week, it's, it's, it's almost impossible, right? So uh, the fact that we're going to take all of our people, I mean, people who make $150,000 in the city live paycheck to paycheck. You know, a a very good manager salary is 70 to 80,000, maybe 90,000. You know, entry manager salary is 58,500 in New York City now. Uh, You know, servers, they can make, you know, 50 to 70 range. Cooks can make 40 to 50 range. I mean, many, 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 many of these people are paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, they're all staring personal financial crisis uh, right in the eye if this doesn't
2: get turned around quickly. And and not to. How do you. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Al. I was going to say, how do you want people that are listening to this and that that are receiving the message to help in um, in, in making this happen?
5: I mean, the best way that can help is to be informed, uh, and and that is like you know why we formed this coalition. You know, now we have legal counsel and HR counsel uh, to help with sort of uh, the more specific stuff, and and we're just trying to you know not just uh, you know set up a fund or set up. Uh, you know, petitions, we're trying to give people the tools to be able to navigate through this.
4: Yeah, you know, we hope hope that... Exactly. We hope people will, uh, you know, follow us on Instagram, subscribe uh, and sign up for the coalition. And we're going to be giving very, very specific absorbable resources for our operators and workforce. And we're also going to be giving very specific and actionable uh, items behind these, these groundswells Uh, in the form of graphics, assets, content to post, and specific things to do to get these representatives' uh, attention uh, and really compel them to act.
1: Well, it's, it's awesome. And I appreciate you guys doing this and, um, and putting out the content and and getting people involved and how, tell me a little bit about like the mechanics. Are you meeting with other operators to sort of go through this and then push it out to their base? How are you like getting people into your, into your funnel?
5: Greg and I are
4: working more now than we
5: were before
1: the restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) we
5: We have a call tonight with all of the other coalitions that popped up around the country. I mean, with LA and San Francisco and Philly and DC and and Buffalo, I mean, Chicago really, you know, uh, laid the groundwork for, you know, unifying their voice very, very quickly. So in some ways we're sort of just sort of, uh, you know, following suit. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, it's, it's been really amazing. I mean, again, like Max said, this only started on Thursday and we've already had three conference calls from all the other coalitions around the, the country.
4: Yeah. Hospitals, house, uh, operators are reaching out to us like crazy. You know, we're on the phones all days and we're just getting organized. We're laying the groundwork. You know, we use, a few, uh, you know, obviously Instagram as, as a message, as a tool to communicate quickly, but, you know, we're able to th- through the subscription process, really compartmentalize who is who and what people are comfortable doing and, and, uh, we're able to you know, activate operators in one way. We're able to activate workforce in another way. We're able to activate our guests in another way. Uh, so we're really excited as this continues to grow to be able to uh, message and uh, not support these individual sectors and also message uh, with them uh, really accurately and really, uh, in a really compelling way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for all the crisis that's happening, there's definitely some bright spots. And I would say that this is certainly one of them, um, just bringing everybody together, sharing such great lessons and and really, you know, putting people to task. So um, thank you for doing that. Definitely keep sharing with us. We'll push out to the Tillit newsletter and um, use our platforms to, you know, share the messaging as well. So um, let us thank know you. what we can do to support there. And yeah.
4: Um, can we talk about the food bank a little bit yeah Uh, sure
1: before yeah we just had nate adler on also for the food bank yes yes we just we did talk um to nate about the lee initiative as well but the food bank is also fucking awesome and i love ed and and Lindsay and what they do so tell us you guys are also participating in lee initiative so let's talk about that a little bit too
5: yeah i mean it's gonna be uh interesting how it you know the goal is for us to to do it as many days a week as possible i mean if we could do it seven days a week we'll do we will and we'll just you know they're trying to we're trying to reach at least 250 people uh, a day uh but honestly just sort of the information that keeps coming as far as social distancing and uh you know keeping our own volunteers and our own employees safe uh you know we're still going back day by day of like you know is it better to go only a couple times a week and give out more and try to do more people in those fewer days. Um, but right now we're going to start off by, you know, trying to do a couple hundred people and just give them a little bit of prepared food, some toiletries, uh, some ingredients to bring back home and cook for their next meal uh, and take it day by day.
1: Yeah. It's, so when are you planning to start serving people? Thursday thursday so thursday will be the first yeah. day and um and, and basically you'll run the initiative for as long as you possibly can and it's open to anybody in the hospitality industry
5: yeah i mean look i'm not going to turn anyone away just because if they're not in the industry that you know uh everyone needs help but uh, yeah that's the goal is to to you know feed our feed our community and help how our community and
1: and tell me about like bringing back the team are you able to rehire some of your staff that you had to let go
5: yeah I mean that so that's that's a big part of why we're doing this um, but again, like this is such a complicated and unique situation because we also don't want to force or make people feel obligated to get on a train for forty five minutes either. so it's going to be a mix of uh people that can you know people that work for us that are going to be able to walk to work um, and then honestly some of them are just cooks from other restaurants in the area that were laid off and they have free time and they want they want to walk over and help.
1: It's, it's awesome. Um, I, you know, and I think there's like seven, six or seven cities now that have been activated as part of this initiative. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing some really good work. Um. All right. Well, we'll share the word on that too, that people can come and start picking up food Um. as of this Thursday and you'll, st- and sorry, you're going to start with four days a week or you're going to go full seven to start. We're going
5: to start with the, I mean, I kind of think again, like we have, you know, things keep changing, but we're going to start with Thursday, Friday and Saturday and then kind of, you know, this like arbitrary uh, first 15, out, 15 days that Trump started, you know, ends on Sunday, Monday. So we kind of have to see, you know, is there going to be, you know, further restrictions? Um, you know, we have to we have to be willing to adjust every day for the safety of the people coming in line and the, and the, and the staff and volunteers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most interesting thing about this crisis is like it literally changes hour by hour. So, um, it's just like, yeah. I get an anxiety attack every time my phone dings. It's like a New York times alert. It's like, how do you stay on top of everything? It's, it's, I just, have a
5: huge uh, exhale right before I, uh, oh, there's David Cross walking past the restaurant. Uh, I, you know, every time I wake up and look at my phone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, guys, Well, stay safe out there. Thank you for everything that you are doing to support and let us know how we can be additional resources.
2: Guys, tell us before you sign off where, um, tell us the website and the uh, Instagram handles.
5: Maximus.
4: New York hospitality (laughs) coalition.com, uh, New York hosp coalition, uh, yeah. Do I have it right there? Let's do it. Let's do that again.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't worry.
4: Our website is newyorkhospitalitycoalition.com. Uh, our Instagram handle is nyhospcoalition, uh, New York New York Hospital Coalition. Uh, you know, please follow us. Please subscribe. Thank you. Well,
2: cool. thank you, guys. I know there's a lot to do in the moment. And, and like Jenny said, that everything and, and you guys said, everything changes day by day. But I do, you know, I really hope that y'all are able to continue this um, on the other side of this crisis so that this kind of thing is established and and ready to go for uh, when people need it next time.
5: Same to
4: you guys. Totally. Thank you so much.
1: This episode is brought to you by BentoBox. BentoBox empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their own website. Restaurants are currently having to make significant changes to their operations, and BentoBox is setting up gift card processing and online ordering stores in as little as four days to support restaurants during this challenging time. With BentoBox, you can drive revenue and keep your guests up to date. Opening soon listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com slash opening soon. Well, Camilla, we're so happy to have you back on the show. i founder of Westbourne. and I want to talk today about Roar, which, um, you know, w- you, your call for relief opportunity for all restaurants, um, which is amazing. So tell us about what you guys are up to.
6: Yeah, so uh, Roar was created last week um, in result. In, in a results response um, effort across the city, across a bunch of different restaurant owners and chefs, um, big, small, everything in between, multi unit single operators, um, You know, we formed pretty quickly. We had an email out last Wednesday and 30 owners and chefs on the phone by 6 p.m. that night and our petition on change.org went up the next day. Um, we're essentially focused at the state level, um, Really twofold is our mission. First and foremost is how can we take care of our workers? Um, You know, the vast majority of uh, restaurants have closed as a result of COVID-19. Most have conducted mass layoffs, which means millions across the country are out of jobs. And also remembering that these are positions where you can't work from home, you can't make an income from home. And considering the economic fallout of the pandemic, obviously, you know there's not other people hiring um, you know, to be able to work from home in that way. So there's really not a lot of options when you're out of work in our business right now. And it's massive. There's so many people who need our help um, and need relief. So first and foremost, it's focusing on you know, how can we provide an income replacement program Um, right now, unemployment insurance only cover, you know, when you go and get unemployment benefits, it only covers a fraction of your income. But if you're a minimum wage or around their employee, you know, obviously getting only a fraction of that is not livable. I mean, by the very nature of it. So it's really an intensely difficult position and time right now for our people. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, we're working really hard. Again, we're focused on the state level. New York City Hospitality Alliance is focused on the New York City level. Um, in tandem, we're also working with uh, the Independent Restaurant Coalition, IRC, which is focused on the federal level. So they're working right now in D.C., obviously, on the latest relief bill, um, and we're working directly with uh, Governor Cuomo's office. And, you know, the second side of this is solvency. So first and foremost, obviously relief for our teams in the immediate who don't have jobs. And like I said, I have no other way to make it living right now. Um, and the flip side is how do we make sure that as many restaurants can reopen after this, you know, when we're on the other side of it, getting as many to be able to reopen as possible so that we can provide jobs again for our teams. So again, it's all about our people and you know, we're focused on both advocacy and these relief efforts. Um, hopefully this week we'll be able to announce we've been working very hard with the Robin Hood Foundation to try and figure out how we can find um, a structured relief fund that we can then launch a capital campaign for, again, to provide financial relief for those that are, um, were laid off and furloughed as a result of the pandemic.
1: So are you guys really looking for to create a relief fund that would be contributed to by like the greater public or are you like lobbying? Okay. I
6: mean, both. I mean, again, our advocacy work is focused on structured government relief and aid, but I don't think that we can do that. You know, both have to come together and really, you know, that element of, um, of the relief fund came out of you know we're obviously supportive of every restaurant every community helping themselves and doing what they can there's obviously you know a plethora of GoFundMe pages but you know for example in new york there's a lot of charitable um individuals and foundations who want to help in this scenario and see what's happening but they're not you know their charters won't allow them to donate to a private for-profit business right so we need to be able to provide um, a larger vehicle that will be able to capture. You know, like I said, there is a there are a lot of people. We've had a ton of um, ton of incoming and and overflowing support for wanting to help, um, but right now there's just not that vehicle just yet.
1: So the first step basically is to create a f- like a nonprofit fund essentially that could be this vehicle to distribute funds to people who are like have this social like essentially. A- you know a social impact a social distancing wage is I think like the way that people are framing the conversation
6: we're We're actually looking to identify an existing nonprofit that we can then earmark for Got because it. ultimately again, there are some groups that are creating their own, but you know you really handing income to individuals directly. there's very few organizations across the country that have done it or do it. Um, You know, Robin Hood obviously facilitated one for 9-11 and for the victims of 9-11. And, you know, it's intense. There's an immense administrative component of that, as you can imagine. And, you know, more than anything, you want to make sure that these funds are distributed responsibly and ethically. So it's a big undertaking. And like I said, you're talking about millions of people across the country and, you know, hundreds of thousands here in New York for what seems to be potentially an extended period of time, um, you know, we really, we personally at Roar feel that it's better off rather than creating one and, and, you know, for lack of a better word, winging it, um, better to really locate um, an organization that, you know, ourselves and Robin Hood could then funnel through, um, who have the expertise in administering something of this nature it's complicated. Yeah, it is
1: hard. No, it's super complicated. And I think, you know, we had a conversation with a like with somebody that we've worked with in the past last week. And, you know, we were like, we want to do something to give to the workers. And they're like, you know, it's really hard to get money into the funnel. It's really hard to get money out of the funnel to the right place and do it responsibly, which is very true. And I think those are like really big distinctions. Um, you know, that, that's like, it's smart to do it that way. And also like the need is so immediate. So like you have to be able to do this like now, um, you know, to be able to help people. It's like, there's people who can't pay their rent this month and right now. Um, okay. And so tell me a little bit about, you mentioned also you're in contact with governor Cuomo's office and, um, you're working on that angle as well. What are, what are some of the initiatives for the workers look like there?
6: Um, so it's multi-pronged. If you go to our change.org page, you can see our point plan. We've aligned it, as I said, with both the New York Hospitality Alliance on the city level as well as the IRC on the national level. You know, first and foremost is an income replacement program. Like I said, um, unemployment benefits. You know, if you're a laid-off banker, for example, getting 50% of your income is livable even in New York City, you know, when you're a minimum wage employee. 50 percent of that is by definition not livable um, so we have a gap to fill when it comes to income for our teams um we have to think through rent abatement so we're really trying to push for a more um a more reasonable treatment you know right now all these businesses are closed there's no sales to be had yes I know some are doing pickup and delivery I have a whole you know, I, I don't feel that that's in the public interest without proper testing. To me, that level of operation is still not safe, especially in a high density city like New York City, um, given where we are in the curve and the pandemic. But, you know, so you have this no sales mandated, you know, limitation on sales, even if you're doing delivery and pickup only. Um, but you're still incurring all the same expenses um, while also trying to support your teams through this period. You know, it's it's an impossible equation. So, first is um, you know rent abatement and support uh, with mortgage forgiveness for landlords. Um, you know, sales and payroll tax and deferral of utility payments until reopening. Um, you know, there's a lot of those again things that we're that are outflows. That are almost impossible when you're talking about a frozen business. Um, there's a lot of um, things that we're trying to work on with the SLA, things like license renewals. Right now, the SLA is shut down. So, what do you do if you can't get a license renewal? Um, there's a lot of structural improvements, I think, when it comes to um, on-premise sales allowances that have put in place that you know we're advocating should maintain. Um, there's an issue with business loss insurance coverage. Uh, There's a lot of ambiguous language as to whether this should be covered or not. And that's something that the governor certainly has the ability to, um, you know, to mandate be covered. Um, Things like the Warn Act um, and and a lot of, um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of regulations around, you know, you have to give your teams two weeks look ahead on a schedule. Well, in this pandemic, that's almost impossible and things are changing every single day. You know, the question is whether that is, um, you know, still being upheld and what these businesses are supposed to do as a, as a result of that. Um, and then this one, we've been, I think successful at the national level, depending on which bill, you know, what version of the bill, the federal bill is going to come out. But, you know, the definition of a small business is also important. You know, I think we would all agree that, um, you know, what's perceived as larger restaurant groups, you know, each location is really its own business. So the question is whether you judge a small business based on the location or the holding company kind of changes what that is.
1: Right. I mean, that's a good point. So meaning like something like a group like Union Square Hospitality, who has a
6: ton of restaurants, but each of them is operated sort of as a small independent business. Yeah. And for the most part, they're capitalized independently. I mean, for the most part, each one is really kind of its own entity, even though it rolls up into one brand and one uh, holding company. So, you know, we're really trying to, again, think multi-pronged for what will hopefully enable the vast majority of restaurants to be able to reopen and rehire more importantly.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true. It's all about getting to the other side of this. You you can rehire and if restaurants have, I mean, I think the biggest thing you know, is the rent because even in businesses like ours where we can't operate our business and having walk-in traffic is such a huge part of our revenue. It's so, it's so like, I will never be able to make it up if we don't have some sort of forgiveness. And when I talk to my landlord, it's like, well, I still have to pay my mortgage, which you also understand. Um, So it's, you know, it's just like, there's no really good solutions right now. Um, So
6: where, tell me about like where you guys have made headway and how people can help support. Um, Well, I think first and foremost, we've definitely created a groundswell. I think that, you know, the biggest advice we got from lawmakers last week, I mean, as of Wednesday, just to give you some context, most businesses had closed um, around Sunday or Monday for the most part. almost all had laid off, you know, 90%, if not more, of, at least of their hourly teams as of that weekend. So really, when we convened on Wednesday, no reports had come out about unemployment. No, no lawmakers seemed to have any clue that most restaurants had closed and laid off their teams across the country. Um, so the first and foremost was really educating about um, what had been happening, what has happened, how structural that is, and I think also educating the magnitude of this industry. You know, I think, um, it's really, I mean, I don't think it is the first time in, in history, or as long as I can remember that independent restaurants have coalesced at all levels. And, um, and we did so quickly with a unified voice and very clear measures for what would take care of our people and what would provide solvency for these businesses to hopefully reopen on the other side of this. Um, and, You know, what we've been trying to do, like I said, is build a groundswell that can't be ignored. You know, chains were invited to Washington early on to be part of the relief package negotiations. You know, they are only one third of this segment. So we're amongst the largest employers in the nation next to the government, talking about 13 million people nationwide. Two thirds are owned by independent operators. So not including those, you know, structurally and, um, legitimately not including our segment as an industry that should be part of this relief package was a huge mistake. And so I think we've already gained a lot of traction, a lot of inclusion. And I think now it's very clear that it can't be ignored and what this poses you know, across the country. I mean, this is the difference between a recession and a depression when you have the risk of structural unemployment at this scale.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good point. And so you guys are focused on um,
6: on New York. Are you talking to other groups in other cities as well to have a unified yes. voice there? Yeah. So we're, like I said, we're working in tandem with the Independent Restaurant Coalition, which has um, a number of states across the country and regions represented. Um, so we speak twice a day um, and fold back in uh, into ROAR. So I'm a founding member of both. Your founding
1: member but Is IRC also a new, is that also a new yes. um, coalition? was formed okay. at the same time. Formed at the same time. So now um, you have two other new full-time jobs besides um, <laughs> you know, figuring out
0: <laughs> <You're on laughs> I like there. to be busy
6: as my team. <laughs> no, I mean, it's really the amount of just seeing, you know, When I read, I mean, I think for me, the real tipping point was when I read that major chains were invited to the White House, to the Oval Office to be part of the relief bill um, and realizing what a disproportionate share of employment they represent, you know, it was a real wake up call to say, you know what, we can't just be regulated on anymore. I mean, most people don't understand restaurants are one of the most heavily regulated industries. It's the reason, the irony here is that that's the reason that we don't have operating margin and cash to weather this kind of storm. So ironically, we're in this position because of government regulation. And yet we had been totally left out to dry and forced to fire our teams in mass. You know, it's, it really was a dynamic. Like I said, irony is kind of the, the kind word for it, but it just was not acceptable to me and you know i think all of us saw that same paradigm and decided you know we're going to do something about it and we're not just going to stay silent as we have before and my hope is that that voice continues and you know we can do something to restructure the industry as a whole so that it isn't a single digit margin business anymore given again you know i don't know if you guys read there's a really interesting article about how cruise lines pay less than 1% in corporate taxes and restaurants pay 20% And then when you look at the level of employment, it's eclipsed. I mean, those kinds of dynamics, we have to wake up lawmakers and restructure this industry when we're on the other side of this. You know, this is...
2: I think the big problem is that, like you said, and like conversations we've had earlier, is that independent restaurants, restaurateurs and hospitality providers have not been organized in the sense that the big guys are. And hopefully what you're doing, what other people are doing now... Leads to a better, you know, organization that brings everyone together, so that there is that ability to to fight together rather than as a bunch of individuals. Exactly.
6: Well, I think it's a wake up call for us, and I hope that it's a wake up call permanently. Like I said, for government at all levels, city, state, and federal, to say, hey, you know what? These <laughs> this actually represents a massive amount of employment in our country, um, with real career opportunities and mobility. I mean, you know, anyone who knows. You know, myself and what we're doing at Westbourne, you know, this is a real gateway into a real middle class and critical, I think, towards upward mobility in our country. And you know I think it's time that everyone wakes up and you know stops treating it like, oh, the mom and pop, the independents, it doesn't really matter. I think what we're seeing for the first time is that it matters in a big way. It
1: does. I mean, the restaurant industry is famous for that. It's like you can come in and start as a dishwasher and become a manager very, you know, within a few years pretty easily if you, if you you know, go through the ranks. And again, that's your gateway into the, the middle class and really, you know, supporting a family and contributing. So um, I think it's I think it's great. So it sounds like you're planning to continue this coalition and everything after um, after this crisis is over to have a more organized voice, which I think is going to be super beneficial for everybody. Hope so. Um, Anything else you want to share? Any other ways people can get involved and make their voices heard?
6: Yeah, I mean, look, I think Dan Kluger posted something this week that I thought was super powerful. I mean, food and dining out and restaurants is universal. It's a core part of the American fabric. If you've ever dined in a restaurant, worked at a restaurant, liked a restaurant, asked a chef for a favor, you know, begged a friend for a reservation, celebrated a momentous occasion in a restaurant, this is not the time to be silent. This is the time to in turn take care of this industry that has lived to take care of you. You know, someone said yesterday and I thought it was again, powerful. We're not asking for a bailout. A bailout is for businesses that make bad decisions. We're asking to please stay in business and rehire our teams. Um, So for us, it's really about getting back to work and rehiring people. And I think, you know, anyone who has a platform, anyone who has any connections in government, this is the time to hear our voices. All of our points and talking points and the situation is very clearly outlined on our change.org page. Um, This is the time, this is the time not to be silent. This is the time to band together. And this is the time to make the voice so loud that we can't be ignored any longer. Um, Our people need you. And again, really as an American, this should matter to you. It will affect you across the board. Um, So really we need everyone to join, to join the conversation, to join the fight. spread our hashtag roar, hashtag too small to fail. And, you know, regardless of whether you're in New York or national, join up with Roar, join up with IRC, www.saverestaurants.co. Again, this is the time to really repost something, use your platforms, use your followers, use your influence, um, call your representatives. Again, any leverage that you have in this situation, we need to do so while there's still time and the clock is really ticking Um, and follow up. We will, as I said, be launching a capital campaign shortly. So when we're ready with that, obviously, we hope that those that want to give back in a monetary way also will have a vehicle to do so.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Those are all good things to do. I know I've been saying every day, it's like, call your representatives. And I have been calling and it does help, um, you know, at least just to make sure that your voice is heard and to put the bug in people's ear. And this is this is the time not to be shy and social. Um, thank you so much al any of anything else from your side? any other questions
2: that's it yeah. um
1: well, thank you for all you
2: yeah thank out. you for
1: all you do and for you know always being a leader in the industry and and you know speaking up for so many independent operators um and let us know how we can support and' we're so here for the t shirt you know to make any kind of merch to um help people you know give something and feel like they get something in return. Um, So yeah, we'll definitely talk about that too.
6: Well, we so appreciate it, as I said. So thank you. And uh, really, we are all in it together and hopefully we can make a lasting impact.
1: For sure. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, it's like all businesses who are small and independent are experiencing the same thing. So um, and not just the restaurants but the entire ecosystem, like the farmers and the vendors and the purveyors who support that that system um, are also feeling this hurt in the same exact way. So
6: it is, you know, voices together are stronger than than just alone. So it's, it's really important at this time. A hundred percent. So Camilla, tell us where we can um, follow all these efforts on social. So at roar.ny and then at INDP restaurants uh, is for uh, the IRC as well. And what are the hashtags that you guys are using so that people can know what to put on their posts? Hashtag Roar and hashtag Too Small to Fail. All right.
1: Well, thank you so much to all of our guests. And I think the bright side of this whole epidemic and this whole crisis is actually people really organizing and coming together um in a time of crisis. So thank you to all the people who have been sharing their voices, who have been organizing, and and making you know initiatives for the better and for change.
2: And I think um Jen, we had talked about that um the next episode or next two episodes we're going to lighten it up a bit and and try and um everything has been so so heavy and and interesting and like you said changing day by day and you know we've gone from you know shock uh last week to activism this week um and I think we want to take you know reopening soon to a to a little bit lighter lighter scale next week and so we're going to be talking with chefs um, About how they're sort of, you know, what they're doing on a day to day now that they're not um, actively in the kitchen, standing over a trash can to eat, uh, doing those kind of things, and how they've sort of modified their life uh, while they're going through quarantine.
1: Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a
6: member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.